You're listening to the Money Owners Podcast with Morgan Rochard. Money Owners is a podcast for people who want to be mentally and financially crushing it. This podcast does not provide investment advice and nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued to be investment advice. If you'd like more information on the podcast, the homework, coaching, and everything else Money Owners has to offer, visit www.moneyowners.com. What is happening, my fellow money owners? I'm back. (laughs) This is episode 51. And uh, yeah, we took a brief hiatus here because I had a baby girl. And I took sort of a maternity leave. Um, It's always funny to me. I hear hear women complain. And for sure, they should get time off from work. But I'm a business owner. And I didn't get time off from work with my son. And I sort of took some time with my daughter. I definitely took more time this time. But um, it's hard to, to get away for sure, but I definitely felt strapped for time and, um, and couldn't make this work, the, the money owners part of this work. So here we are, we're back. Um, just a couple of housekeeping items before I dive into this uh, week's topic, which I'm super excited about. Um, so my audiobook came out. So if you like listening to this podcast and you wanted to, you know, pick up a copy of my book, but you're like, nah, not really into reading, or I always listen to you while I'm doing my laundry. So not really into reading or I work out while I'm listening to your podcast or whatever it is that you're doing (laughs) while you're listening to this that makes you also not want to read, you can get a copy of my audiobook on Amazon. There'll be a link to it in the show notes. Um, It's also on iTunes as well. So you can go through Audible or iTunes to get a copy if you're interested in it. If not, then whatever, just listen here. Um, The other thing is I am going to try to get these out every two to three weeks, um, but please bear with me. I have like a three almost three month old and a three year old at home and um I also run a business and I'm just doing my best. So um the oh sorry, one more thing before (laughs) I dive into this week's topic. I would love to hear from anyone who's listening to this. Um what you guys want to hear. What kind of topics do you want to hear? Um I'm kind of tired of repeating myself, um, although I feel like re- there is a lot of value in repetition. The more you hear something, the more likely it is you're going to go out and do it. Um, that said, though, I don't want to be like, you know, the broken record that keeps telling you to save money. So if you feel like I haven't fully covered a topic that you want to hear or you want to hear about something completely different, send a note to me at money underscore owners or at Morgan with an E Rochard on Twitter, and I would be happy to include it in a future episode. And without further ado, this episode is all about raising a financially responsible child. So um, I don't know about you, but I learned nothing about personal finance growing up. Um, Almost nothing. Not nothing, nothing. My family, they did their best. Um, I learned literally nothing about finance, personal finance, anything really related to money. I didn't learn about it until I was in college. So nothing in high school, middle school, elementary school. Um, actually, no, that's not true. In third grade, actually, my third grade teacher insisted that we all open bank accounts. And that was like the best year of my life. Um, (laughs) I opened up a bank account and my parents put $5 a week in there for me. It was like the first time I had ever had an allowance. Um, even though I couldn't do anything with it because it, you know, it went into like, I think it was Greenpoint Savings Bank. I'm not even sure which was bought by somebody, which was bought by somebody else, which I think eventually became Capital One. Um, and I only know that because, I, um, in my twenties was like, I think I have a bank account here (laughs) and like withdrew the money in my twenties. Um, but yeah, so, um, that was literally my only experience with it. And, um, I have to say like, um, Mrs. Larkin, who was my teacher in third grade, I mean, she, 
Um, I went to a public school and like there, she just put that in the curriculum. She was not told to do that. Um, I guess she thought that it was really important to raise a financially responsible child. And I do too, especially as somebody who works in personal finance and who hears about, I mean, I constantly hear from people that they don't know what they're doing um, and that they didn't learn it growing up and that they, you know, their parents weren't necessarily a good example of it. So um, and that you don't even really learn it in college, right? You learn maybe micro and macroeconomics. Um, you learn about all sorts of Keynesian, Keynesian stuff, but you don't learn um, the things that will actually help you manage your own money, which is really sad unless you take like an actual finance class in a business school. Um, and even then you don't, <laughs> you don't even really learn what you're supposed to learn anyways. You learn like how to stock pick um, and not even in a good way. And like you learn about um, the cap M and all sorts of stupid stuff. So anyways... With that being said, um, this episode is all about raising a financially responsible child. So it starts by acknowledging the fact that you need to raise an adult. You are not raising a child. Um, this is something that I think is maybe a little bit controversial in this day and age um, and something that I, you know, I feel like I walk a fine line with this too. It's a dichotomy of parenting for sure. Um, and I'm not perfect at it. But the point is, right, when you have a child, you want to maintain the fact that they're a child and there are certain things that are age appropriate and also that you want to coddle them and love them and do all the things with them that they are like because they're a child and you're never going to have that time back. And you also have to reconcile that with the fact that if you don't teach them life skills very early on, they are going to expect a lot from you as the parent and they're not going to really learn how to do anything on their own. So um, you definitely don't want to end up in that situation, right? And kids as early as even two can do a lot more than we give them credit for, and they want to. So, um, I mean, they throw mega tantrums, right? Why do you think they're throwing mega tantrums? It's because they want personal financial responsibility, right? No, I'm just kidding. It's because they want some choice and some, but like, a, like some semblance of control in their little lives that they literally control nothing, right? So if you can give them something um, that they can do even as early as two, like, don't, you know, snuff out that enthusiasm that they have, even that young, um, you know, foster that enthusiasm because they they want to do things and they want to feel like they have some sort of control and they want to feel like they can be responsible for certain things, even at a very, very young age. Um, and I also, I mean, I, I, before we really delve into how to raise the adult and not the child, um, one of the things I hear all the time is, well, my kid can't possibly make a decision about college at the age of 18 because, um, you know, they're not possibly even remotely close to being ready to make one of the largest financial decisions of their life. And in some regards, I agree to that. And I actually, um, I actually used to fully agree with this. But now that I have kids, and I'm starting to, you know, kind of venture out into giving them more responsibility for things, not the newborn, obviously, but the three year old that I have, um, and thinking about how to really like enable my child to do things on his own. The more I think about the fact that there are a lot of parents out there who aren't doing that, who are only really requiring their kid to do schoolwork and nothing else, and then expecting them to be able to make this extremely like hefty financial decision when they turn 18, when they've never made any decisions for themselves basically before then. So the idea is not that your child can't make that financial decision about college later on. Um, and it's not that they're not capable. Actually, in fact, they are capable. The, the problem is all of the things that you did along the way before your kid has to make that decision. So um, the cost, yes, of college is insane. Um, so you definitely, you need to get like a child to understand what that kind of decision that they're making is going to like the impact that it's going to have on them in the future. Um, and it is 
your job as the adult and the parent to, you know, to show them basically what it costs, how they're going to pay for it, all the works, whether or not you can chip in or, you know, everything, what a loan looks like. So if you don't understand this stuff, right, obviously how you expect your child to understand it, but you have to seek out help and do research and do all the things to make sure that when you're, when the time comes for your child to make that decision, yes, you can help make, help them with the informed decision. Um, so that all aside, I mean, sorry, that was a little bit of a tangent about college and I don't even really think that all kids should go to college, but that's besides the point. Anyways, so, um, but raising an adult really means entrusting them with chores, with tasks, with responsibilities that they can handle at every single age. And it's really important to emphasize every, at every age, right? Because you're not going to tell your three-year-old that they have to go balance a checkbook, right? Or I don't even know if anyone does that anymore. Uh, it's maybe a bad example. But you're not going to give your three-year-old, you know, the responsibility to figure out which groceries they're supposed to buy for the week, right? If your three-year-old does that, they're going to probably pick goldfish, a bunch of chocolate, maybe some fruity cereal that they like to eat, um, and definitely a lot of maple syrup, right? That's what your kid will pick. <laughs> but you can have your kid, like, get their plate out of the drawer and their fork and their spoon. And maybe if you give them a knife, that too, and they can put it on the table and they can get ready for dinner. So it's one of those things where if you're giving them responsibilities and you're entrusting them at an early age, they can handle it. And at every age, you need to up the stakes basically of what they can handle. So another good example of this that I hear quite often is like, well, it's, it's easier for my kid to have Velcro shoes. And I don't want to deal with teaching them how to tie shoes, right? But like the longer you wait on that, <laughs> the less responsibility they have even for their own two feet, right? So you're basically by helping your child um, in some ways, you're hindering your child in a lot of other ways. And I want to really emphasize the fact that the stakes only get higher. So if you think that your three-year-old, if whatever they're doing, if that's giving you some high anxiety because, you know, you need it to be perfect or whatever, I mean, imagine how you're going to feel about him or her at age six and then at age 12 and then again at age 18, right? The stakes only get higher. So when you think about that in your mind of the stakes not being very high when they're young and that they get a lot higher as they get older... Think about what you can do to give them things to do when they're younger so that they can start to feel good about themselves and they can start to take responsibility and ownership for things. These are really important qualities that will help raise an adult and not a child. And I truly believe, and while I only have a three-year-old, um, so maybe time will tell in 20 years and I'll do another podcast and I'll be like, I was totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything, but I do truly believe that the more you're able to entrust your child with the responsibility, the more they're going to be able to understand more complicated things as they get older. And then ultimately they'll be able to become financially responsible children, right? I'm sorry, financially responsible adults, not children. <laughs> because <laughs> the point right obviously is to raise an adult not a child so something so simple as like helping your child learn how to do laundry at a young age right is is going to actually help them with financial decisions later on um i knew a lot of kids in college who uh, used to pay for a laundry service so i mean right there right you're already you're in college and then you're also paying for a laundry service right you're kind of adding on to the cost and everything else so i would say like there are ways for sure to help your kid early on so that they are making better decisions when they are older um, so with all that in mind, raising a financially responsible adult involves a bunch of different things. So the first thing I would say is that you got to help your child delay gratification. And there are a number of ways that you can do this. So, um, you're I mean, listening to the money owners podcast with Morgan Rochard, right? Money owners is a podcast for people who want to be mentally and financially crushing it. Their food. 
This podcast does not provide investment advice, and nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued to be investment advice. If you'd like more information on the podcast, the homework, coaching, and everything else Money Owners has to offer, visit www.moneyowners.com. I notice actually, um, even with myself, when I sort of get out of the habit of cooking all the time, um, which is pretty infrequent, but sometimes things come up like a newborn is born. (laughs) <laughs> and you don't have time to cook as much in the kitchen. And I find myself going into the pantry a lot and grabbing a lot of things that are really easy. And then I'm starting to expect food more quickly, right? Or if I stay at my parents' house for for a couple of weeks and they're constantly making food or ordering in for me, it's like all of a sudden I have this immediate gratification of eating. Um, and when I start to notice that happening to me where I'm like, where's the food and why isn't it here right now? I always kind of go back to, okay, it's time for me to cook and bake because I need to delay the process of actually receiving food and that delays gratification. Um, you could run out of things in your home. That actually helps a child delay gratification, right? Something that they like eating all the time. You run out of it. Um, and you don't like make a fast effort to replace it immediately or have so many of them around that you never run out of it. Um, it also kind of helps on a financial side, right? Because sometimes your kids like they, their tastes change and then you end up with like 50 of some stupid jammy bar that they're no longer eating. I actually have that situation going on in my house right now. So that's why I'm using that as an example. Um, (laughs) but anyways, if you, um, run out of things in your home, then your child has to wait until you go to the store next time. And I think particularly in our current environment where like kids actually understand that you take out your phone and you literally like press a couple of things and you get something delivered to your doorstep. Um, we're, we live in a society where we don't have to delay gratification very much. So it's important to sort of to throw in really anything, any kind of wrench into um, how quickly we can get things in this day and age so that your child has to delay gratification. Um, you got to stop rewarding every little thing, right? Like, um, I mean, the great example of this was the my generation got a trophy for, you know, everything, right? You don't want to like over the top reward everything you know if your kid sets the table like you don't need to jump up and down and scream at the top of your lungs what a great job you did they did you know all you have to say is thank you um and your (laughs) your kid's gonna be okay and like it's fine to do it that way um you have to give your kids space to achieve something called flow um and this is something that i've been reading about actually a lot because i kind of wonder sometimes how i sort of transition between working and um out of work and um and also like how my brain works and everything else and flow is basically when you're in the zone and everybody has a different way of being in the zone but kids particularly they're usually in the zone when they're playing um and free play is really important and helps their mind sort of it it adapts um the synapses they kind of fire on all ends i'm not a child psychologist so i don't know everything about everything um but i do know that it is important for them to have a safe space to be uninterrupted where your kid can basically get energized and focus and have full involvement in whatever it is that they're doing and you don't have to be super wealthy or have a gigantic house to do something like this right they just need like a little corner that they can go to and that that's where they go to basically where they're undisturbed and that you don't like get all up in their business and try to like tell them how to play with stuff leave them alone. They already know how to play. They don't need you. Um, (laughs) So um, you want to foster imagination too, right? And that's something that giving your kid a space to just play and be left alone and uninterrupted is going to help them. Um, And it is actually like that kind of thing is going to help them be financially responsible later on and also helps them delay gratification and also helps them with all of the things like doing chores and having tasks and um, achieving responsibility on things. You also need to model delayed gratification, right? So if you tell your kid that they have to wait for a chocolate chip cookie until tomorrow and then you're like stuffing your face in the pantry with it behind their back, right? Like what kind of model are you showing? I feel like kids know, I mean, maybe I don't, 
I don't know. I honestly, I think like when my kids get older, it's going to be insane because I already feel like my son knows so much. <laughs> and it's sort of one of these weird things. Somebody was telling me about like, um, it's a Chinese room, I think is what it's called, where, um, where basically there are slots and people are in the room and they start, they don't speak any Chinese and, um, Chinese symbols are going through the doors and, um, people start to notice patterns about them. So even though they don't understand Chinese, they actually start like pushing back certain patterns of the um, the different characters that come through the room. And kids are kind of like that. They understand just enough to kind of create patterns and to understand things and be super empathetic to really what's going on. And, and they actually like they can feel your emotions and everything else. But they don't understand so much that like, you know, if you, if you played some rap lyrics to some song, they wouldn't actually understand what was going on in that song, thankfully. So you have to like... I don't know how I even got on this tangent. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Anyways, the point of this is that you have to model delayed gratification um, in some way or another um, and be aware of what your kid does and doesn't understand regarding what you're doing because I guarantee you they know more about what you're doing than you think that they know that, you know, because even though because they're not exactly telling you in a language that maybe you understand uh, that they do know. Um, the other thing is like you can teach your children to use some sort of distraction. So... Um, like I used to count a lot, uh, and maybe you can tell by my profession that that's something <laughs> that I would be into, but basically like we would, um, I specifically remember a time where I, um, I was waiting for my grandmother to pick me up after school. And I'm pretty sure what happened was that my mom told my grandma to come pick me up. And my grandmother just like, she sometimes could be like really relaxed and like, la 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 la, and like forget to do things. And she probably forgot to come get me. And I still remember this to this day. Thankfully, it was like a beautiful day out. Um, and I just sat by the entrance of the school and I counted all of the leaves on the tree until she got there. Um, and I mean, talk about using distractions, right? And it wasn't like something that anybody taught me to do. Um, but I was taught that like when you wait, you can do things to, um, to kind of alleviate the stress of waiting or whatever it is. So, um, you can teach your kid to do things like that. Maybe they don't want to be a counter necessarily, but you can, <laughs> maybe they have something else that they're really into that they would want to do. Um, and then something else that really helps children with, um, with responsibility and getting from A to B, um, and B to C and everything else is just helping them come up with multiple plans for something. So, you want your kid to be able to, you know, where you tell them to do one thing and um, and that they would get an end result, basically, that you didn't have to give them every single step along the way. And one of the ways to help kids do that is to help them come up with multiple plans for doing the same thing. So, for example, let's say your kid wants to dig a hole in the backyard and you're actually OK with that. So you can, you know, you can say, okay, um, well, how are you going to dig that hole in the backyard? And they can maybe give you a plan. Well, I have, um, I have this shovel over here and I'm going to start digging with the shovel and that's what I'm going to do. And you can say, okay, and they go and try it. And for whatever reason, they can't break ground. And then you can say, okay, well, what's your next plan, right? And you can kind of help them without you telling them what to do. They can come up with the next plan. Well, I have a spade. Okay. Now I'm going to use a spade to sort of dig around before I start using my shovel. Um, and let them <laughs> come up with these plans, right? Obviously, you may know the answer of how to dig a hole, a good hole in your backyard, right? Maybe they don't know because there are only five. So I would say like one of the things that we do as adults is like we like to give our kids the answers and that does not help kids be responsible and it definitely does not help kids be financially responsible. So 
Um, an example of this really of like, you know, parents helping their kids way too much is like parents pay for their kids rent when they graduate um, college and they get their first job. And um, a specific, um, specifically talking about affluent parents. So one of the issues that I always see is that affluent parents, they really can't stand the fact that when their kids get out of college, they would be have a lower standard of living than what they currently have and what they're accustomed to. Um, and they don't want that for their children. And maybe they're afraid that their kid's going to live somewhere unsafe. So what do they do? They help pitch in for a nicer apartment somewhere else, somewhere nicer, somewhere more expensive, somewhere that their kid really couldn't afford on an entry-level job coming out of school. Um, and on the one hand, this is apparent. It makes you feel really good. You can sleep at night that your kid's in a safe apartment, maybe has a doorman, has everything that you would you would want if you were living wherever they are living, right? But on the other hand, what it does is it, it hamstrings your child. Um, what you're telling your child in that process is you don't need to follow the rules. You don't need to live within your means. I'm going to help you no matter what, <laughs> which maybe that is what you're going to do, right? But on the other hand, then you can't really expect your child to kind of live within the rules to save money. I mean, maybe they still will. Maybe they'll take it as an opportunity of, okay, my parents paying my rent, so I'm going to save 20% of my pre-tax income. Um, more often than not, I don't see that. More often than not, I see kids being financially reckless because they have that safety net, not be not the other way around. So um, that's something that you need to consider when you're giving the answers to your kids, when you're when you're doing a lot for them, when you're getting in the way of their plans. Um, and so to get back to like helping your kids, um, I would say like it's really important to, you know, teach your kids to set achievable goals at every single age. Um, and you can ask them questions like, what do you want? What will you do to get it? What are you already doing to get it? Is it working? Is If it's not working, what's your new plan, right? This All of this stuff will help them, you know, kind of think through what it is that they need to, to do so that they're not waiting for you to give them instructions along the way. Um, and then you got to help them prioritize and execute. So um, you have to just, you know, it's, it's, it's really easy for kids to get distracted. It's really easy for adults to get distracted. You know, we expect a lot out of our children um, when we can't even do some of these things sometimes. So I would say, like, help your kids understand what is important, you know, and, or help, you know, let them show you what's important to them. And then when they're showing you what's important to them, then remind them that those things are important. That way, when they get distracted along the way, you can kind of reignite the flame here and say, hey, you said it was really important to you to, I don't know, uh, learn a lot about outer space so that you can become an astronaut someday. Um, and then they're off doing, I don't know, whatever it is that they're doing. And it's, you know, it's getting in the way of that. That's probably a really bad example. But, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know, you got to think about your kid and what your kid's interests are and what your kid needs and then help them come back to kind of home base to be able to prioritize the things that are important and actually execute on those things. And then acknowledge success along the way for sure, but don't be over the top. Like, don't be that parent that's just like jumping up and down and being ridiculous. Um, your kid like sees through that. A simple thank you is fine. They're going to be fine with a simple thank you. They're not going to die if you don't like, you know, applaud them for like walking down the street, you know? Um, okay. So the next thing is teaching your kids to save. So there are a lot of different ways to be thinking about this. Um, I kind of like the idea of just you have an allowance um, and then you can teach your kid the spend, save, give um, aspect of it. So you give your kid an allowance. They kind of get, you know, whatever it is that you think is financially appropriate at their age. Um, and then you can teach them that they can save some of that money. They can spend some of that money and they can give some of that money away. 
And they get to decide what they want to do with those things. You don't tell them what to do with those things. So what you should do, though, is explain to them what spending, saving, and giving are so that they can understand. And um, most kids, though, eventually they will come to some sort of, if you give them the space and the time to learn on their own and to make mistakes, right, like they are going to buy candy and buy other things that you don't necessarily approve of um, or not save money the way that you think that they should be you're probably not saving money the way I think you should be. So, you know, don't be so hard on your kid. Um, <laughs> anyways, teach them about what each of these things are, what it is, what it means to spend, what it means to save, why you would save money, why you would give money away, why it feels good to give, who you would potentially give money to, who you would maybe spend some money on, like what maybe you would spend some money on something to give to somebody else, right? Um, all of these things are really important. And, um, and then step back, let your kid do it. Don't get in the way. Um, the other things that you can do as they get older is you can teach them the power of compounding. So you can basically, you can show them on a spreadsheet or you can show them literally with a calculator um, what it looks like if they were to, let's say, have $100 and they were to invest it and they made 7%, then they'd have $107, right? And then you would take that $107 and they would, you know, you would invest it again. And you can keep showing them how that money is growing over time um, by the power of compounding. Um, and that's just something, it's a really simple thing to do on your calculator, right? You can literally just keep multiplying by 1.07. <laughs> you could show your child the number growing. And like, I think any kid at any age, once they understand what numbers are, they can start to understand the power of compounding, which is kind of pretty cool. Um, the other thing that I would say is that it's really important to teach your child to save for specific goals. So one of the things that I always found really confounding as a child was when um, my parents had something that they called the Pishka technique, which um, Pishka is a Yiddish word. And yes, we are a Jewish family. Um, and what they would do is they would save, I think they would save like $20 a day or whatever it was back then for something that was coming up that was like a big thing. Um, they also, they had a Pishka technique for a rainy day fund is what my mom called it. And whenever I would ask her, why she was saving money, she would tell me for a rainy day. So I literally thought as a child that she meant an actual rainy day. I didn't think that she meant like an emergency. <laughs> so you have to kind of be careful with the words you use with your children. I think a lot of the time we don't want to scare them and we don't want to say emergency or, you know, somebody might die or somebody might get sick and all these things. But if you just tell them that you're saving for a rainy day, it's so abstract that they get, <laughs> they don't actually understand. I literally remember asking my mom, um, no joke. I said to her one day when it was raining, I was like, okay, are we taking that money out now? It's raining. And she was like, no, we're not taking the money out. And I'm like, I, I don't understand. And she's like, we're saving it for a rainy day. She repeated herself. We're saving it for a rainy day. Um, anyways, so I would say like teach them about savings for specific goals, but also teach them about what emergency fund is, why you would have one, why you have one. You don't need to share everything about your personal finances to be able to teach your kid about like some basic things that are really important. Why, why maybe they would want an emergency fund um, and why they should always have something like an emergency fund. Um, the other thing is you want to help them give purpose to money. So spend on things that are really important to them. Spend on people that are really important to them. Give where it feels right to give, right? There, save when it, where it feels appropriate to save. Like when you have purpose to your money, it helps at every age. It helps people when they're really young. It helps people when they're in their middle years. It helps people when they're really old. Everyone likes to feel like they have some sort of purpose and meaning around what they're doing. And that is something that it doesn't matter what age you are. It is important. 
And um, the other thing is that so if you're giving your kid an allowance, you might want to think about how you can help your kid earn extra money. So for instance, let's say they get five bucks a week, um, which I get is like nothing right now with the current inflation rate. But <laughs> imagine you give your kid five dollars a week and you know that you're underpaying them, right? Um, and they get five dollars a week kind of no matter what. But there are certain things that you expect from them, right? Maybe you expect them to put their clothes in the hamper, make their bed, um, set the table, um, you expect them to like, you know, wipe up wet water if they splashed in the bath or the shower or around the, the sink. You probably expect them to brush their teeth a couple of times a day and actually put on some clothing um, and keep their shoes maybe nice and tidy um, and don't track mud in the house. You know, all the usual things. Right. But you probably don't expect them to rake leaves, maybe. Um, maybe you'd be willing to give them an extra $5 if they raked leaves seasonally or if they helped you with spring cleaning or if they helped you, I don't know, clean out a trash can. Um, and if you acknowledge that they had, you know, they did a job well done and it was something that was like, you know, particularly gross. And then you also maybe gave them a little bit of money. Um, they would learn that when they do a little bit more, they earn a little bit extra, right? There's, I mean, that's not always true in the real world, but it does help kind of apply sort of a capitalist mentality to your child of like, okay, if I do a little bit more around here, I will get a little bit more out of it. Um, you can also teach them to negotiate. So uh, my son is a master negotiator at the age of three. <laughs> my son's actually teaching me how to negotiate. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like really impressed by some of the things that he comes up with where he where I'll be like okay we you know you gotta go put on your shoes we gotta leave the house and he'll be like no shoes <laughs> or he'll say why why and you're like okay because we need to leave and the you know you can't wear nothing outside but why why can't I go barefoot and you're like you can't go barefoot um anyways so you but teaching your kid to negotiate while maybe it'll be annoying while they're growing up it's actually going to help them later on in life and help them negotiate their first job it'll help them negotiate in the business and the workplace and everything else so um it is important to teach your kid how to do that and to counter them like you know and counter them with real things instead of you know just I said so um and then to progress them, you know, progress them from age three to 18. Um, there's something new that they can learn every single year. And I want to repeat this again, even though I said this at the beginning of the podcast, the stakes only get higher. The younger your child is, the more that you should be willing to let them fail, let them mess up, let them spill milk everywhere, let them get cereal all over the floor. <laughs> Let them spend their money on stupid stuff when they're younger, right? Right. If the first time you give your kid any kind of financial responsibility is like when they're in, you know, late years of high school and you don't really trust them as it is and you think that they're going to buy a bunch of booze, right? Obviously, the stakes are much higher then. But if they learn a lot about money earlier on and they make a lot of mistakes, they're probably more likely to be financially responsible with it later. So use the opportunity when you have young kids to make those mistakes and let them fail um, and let them fail at every age, right? Because the stakes are still lower at age 16 than they are at age 35, <laughs> right? I mean, it's one of those things where like, even if your kid is an older kid and you haven't done some of this stuff, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't start and that all is lost. Um, it just means that you have to think about appropriately how you're going to handle these things. And maybe it starts by give, giving them more responsibility around the house rather than giving them money for things that you don't necessarily know where it's going. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're like still cutting your kids meat and they're 12 years old, like maybe you're doing it wrong, right? Like they can use a knife. It's going to be OK. They're not going to stab their eye out at the age of 12. <laughs> they're not going to cut their finger off, right? They have eye-hand coordination. If you trust them enough to like go play soccer, they're going to be fine. Um, so I'm just giving you an example here because like I um, I just I want to I implore you to just allow your kids to do things. Allow them to do things like please let them do things. <laughs> 
<laughs> don't make them only do school. Don't make school be their only job. I know there's like tons of homework and other things that kids have to do these days, but let them be a kid and let them learn and let them have responsibility that's appropriate in their life and they will get it and they will learn to be financially responsible. I promise you that even if you don't know everything that you need to teach them, you could find a way if you're willing to do it. Um, so with that, uh, I give you this week's episode of Money Owners. I'm hoping to get another one out in two weeks. Um, I know we were supposed to do a Q&A last time, but because it was my last episode before I went out on, on a maternity leave, I didn't I didn't want to do a Q&A. So um, we are going to do a Q&A coming up probably, though, in a few episodes. If you do have questions, though, send them in to me at Morgan with an E, Rochard, or at money underscore owners, or you can go to moneyowners.com forward slash ask Morgan with an E. Um, if you like the show, leave a review. Um, if you want to buy my book, go find it on Amazon. It's the personal finance quick start guide. Um, it's now in the audible version and in paperback and in hardcover and in Kindle format. So there's kind of no excuse why you can't get your finances together. And I am looking forward to talking to y'all soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Money Owners Podcast. As a reminder, Money Owners LLC does not provide investment advice. It is also not a tax advisor and Morgan Rochard does not provide tax advice or tax preparation. Money Owners LLC is also not a law firm and Morgan Rochard is not an attorney. Thanks for listening and we hope you will tune in again for our next show.